MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, damn you. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he, was, he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'm bad. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid His weird name. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol by volume. Alcohol by volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it? It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin. So you're blaming the drunkard. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunkard, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! To be fair, little Matt in the chat is probably right in cheering for Montreal tonight because I, I, I don't know the way the Wings have been playing. I don't, I don't see them uh, beating the Habs tonight, even with Dotsuk back. Welcome to Alcohol by Volume. <laughs> Start off the show with hockey talk. <laughs> what a surprise in October! It's Tuesday, October twenty first, twenty fourteen. This is episode number eighty six. Yes, I've done eighty six of these so far. Uh, the Skype name is Alcohol by Volume, phone number 862-345-7125. And if you're listening live, uh, pop into the chat room, morelikeradio.com slash live. If you're listening via podcast, which means it's probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday, who knows, you can check me out live every Tuesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, oh yeah. Work has fucking sucked lately. I, I, I'm just going to vent about one one thing here, and I'll probably drop it at that. Would you not think the purpose of an IT help desk is to be the front line of technical support, to troubleshoot and handle those problems that can be handled in such a format via phone call or whatnot? And then, if after you've exhausted those resources, exhausted the troubleshooting, find that maybe it does need a physical touch, then you escalate it to the next level, i.e. me. You would think that is the way it would work. Um, yeah, our help desk pretty much just escalates everything. Oh, yeah, they said the projector's broken. Um did they say it, what what's wrong is is it not turning on or could could they just not get their laptop to sync up they just said it's broken you, you didn't troubleshoot no and then i inevitably walk across campus and press a button and everything's fine or sometimes i will walk across campus find that there's not even a class in the room that they mentioned test the projector and everything's fucking fine so yeah, that, it, it, it's been it's been that kind of week already. Uh, it just it, 
fucking frustrating. I mean, every now and then I wonder if I make it a little bit overblown that I seem to be the only person that knows what the fuck I'm doing. And then I have weeks like this where it becomes evident that I'm the only one that knows what the fuck I'm doing. And you wonder why I drink. (laughs) Gonna have to go on another one of those diatribes again. Um, so as far as, uh, purchasing stuff, I, I, I'm still kind of living off my stock of the Atwater Blueberry Cobbler and the, uh, Sprecher, uh, Hard Root Beer. I think, what is it, I'm down to, I want to say I'm down to two four-packs of each at this point. Uh, what else do I got near me? I got, uh, I still got that, uh, Stone Enjoy by IPA, which I pretty much got a Ooh, excuse me, drink within the next 10 days or so. Um, I have I have the Enjoy After, which I'm not going to drink for a year. I still have my Liftbridge Silhouette, which I'm waiting for it to get a little bit colder. And then I got uh, a bottle of Rodenbach Grand Cru, which I, um, I don't know, I, 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 may, I may do a YouTube review on that. Speaking of YouTube, uh, if you would like to subscribe to my channel, I would greatly appreciate it. I've, I've gotten a few more people subscribing. I've gotten people viewing the videos, which I greatly appreciate. It is at youtube.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. I Actually, I believe that is the URL. I think it's MLR alcohol by volume. Let me check. Yes, it is. MLR alcohol by volume. Uh, how many reviews do I have up here so far, I believe? Let's see. I have, I got um, four up so far, and maybe, just maybe, there will be one popping up uh, sometime during the week. I know I normally have them go up on uh, Saturdays, but figured I may have one go up a little bit early, and I'll still be doing them on Saturdays. Just figure whenever I can, whenever I can pop one out, but they'll definitely always be up on Saturdays. Um, middle of the week ones are just kind of bonus, and yeah, I know little Matt. That was that was bait from a fellow Red Wings fan. Yeah, I don't know. The, the Habs are hard to figure out this season. I mean, the Red Wings, with the exception of that goal outburst against the uh, the Maple Leafs the other game, uh, I don't know. Scoring's been a little iffy. Um, Nyquist, Zetterberg, but with Dotsu coming back tonight, who knows? Uh, I don't even know if. How many hockey fans I have that listen to this show, and I I know very few of them are Red Wings fans, but uh, you y- you knew what you were getting into when you tuned in. You you knew it's October, it's hockey season. I'm gonna talk hockey here and there. Um, so yeah, I I, I didn't even, I didn't even go. There was a, a Kane tap takeover at a local store last Friday. I I looked at the list of stuff they had there, and I just I just kind of passed on that. Um, I. It's not that they didn't have good stuff there, but it was mostly IPAs and APAs, and I don't know. It just haven't haven't necessarily been in the mood for those. And uh, Roy Black on crack asking, uh, "Ice hockey, ice hockey, sir." <laughs> um, but yeah, so I haven't really been uh, purchasing stuff. Although I I did see that um, inside the cellar now has Anderson Valley's Goza in stock. And I may have to order some of that. I I think I believe I actually get free shipping if I order like twelve cans or bottles. 
So I may end up having to do that. I mean, the the, the Anderson Valley is like four bucks a can, so I don't th- think I'm gonna necessarily get twelve of that. But I'll see. I don't know. I still got this. I, I still got the Modern Times. I got to drink too, and I don't know. Maybe if I uh, find that I like that, I'll get some more of those too. I went to the liquor store on on Saturday just to see if there was anything new that had popped up, and there was nothing. I was actually specifically looking for one thing for um, Kelly on Facebook that she had had at a beer festival uh, from Sly Fox, uh, Sly Fox uh, Grisette, and did not find it out here, at least not yet, not at that one store. So I probably got to try some other locations. I got to go to that one store in, I think it was Parsippany, that I found like that Berliner Weiss and all that stuff there. just to find some new stuff. I, I'm, I'm getting that beer fatigue again where I go into the stores and, and nothing nothing is jumping out at me, especially because everything's pumpkin right now. And I'm more or less pumped, pumpkined out at this point. Um, why does that... Ah, okay. I was wondering why my browser was doing weird things. Uh, let's see. What do I what do I have on the uh, on the docket for today? Uh, I, I guess I'll I'll dip into a few brief news stories. And uh, if you've been following on Twitter and Facebook today, you will know that for the second half of the show, I have uh, of Destination Beer Chris Bradley calling in. You may remember he uh, called in. I believe it was back in April of last year, and uh, I actually kind of promoted that the uh, week that my router decided to take a shit and I uh, replayed that interview. So he'll be he'll be calling in second half of the show. But for the first half it, it's a it's a fun-filled bit of randomness, some focused topics and we'll just kind of see where everything goes. Uh, maybe I'll let the chat room kind of drive the bus today. Uh, this was from the full pint Deschutes is expanding east. Now, yes, I am on the east coast. Um, this still doesn't help me though. Uh, they announced, uh, let's see, that was on the 16th. Uh, they announced last week that its craft beers will be available in Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia starting the week of October 27th. The Oregon-based brewery will partner with premium distributors of Virginia and premium distributors of Washington, D.C., both part of the Reyes Beverage Group. Uh, Stacy Denbo, expansion manager for the brewery, said, Our fans on the East Coast have been anxious to get our beers for quite some time, so we're happy to finally extend our reach their way. Our Zarabanda collaboration with Chef Jose Andres was the impetus for the growth, and we're looking forward to launching a few of our fan favorites in the region as well. Uh, Let's see, in D.C. and Northern Virginia, which is going to be the Arlington and Alexandria regions, they're going to initially offer uh, year-round beers, Black Butte Porter, Mirror Pond Pale Ale, and Fresh Squeezed IPA in draft only. Uh, Zarabanda is going to be in 22-ounce bottles and draft. And then a limited amount of Reserve Series bottles and kegs of Mirror Mirror and Black Butte uh, 26 will also be made out there for the launch. Uh, Zarabanda is a new spiced saison. Um, unfortunately, this still does not help me because I am not in Washington, D.C. I am not in Virginia. But the fact that they're starting to distribute on the East Coast brings me a little bit of hope that I may finally get to see some distribution from Deschutes out here. Uh, Then speaking of more East Coast uh, 
Brewery News. This is from the timesdispatch.com. Not everyone in Virginia is apparently happy about Stone coming there. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bart Hinkle. Bart Hinkle. I believe he is the writer here. Uh, okay. And he, he's making puns. Sud Cities. Uh, brewery deal comes with a hangover. Um, the announcement that Stone chose Richmond as a site for its first brewery east of the Mississippi is great news. The launch will create almost 300 jobs, generate $74 million worth of investment, and help revitalize a part of the city that has struggled to go from shabby to chic. But at the risk of behaving like the skunk at a beer garden party, really, we shouldn't let the moment pass without noting the incentives the brewers will get are substantial. Richmond is issuing $23 million in bonds to build the brewery and an additional $8 million to build the restaurant. Stone will also get a $1.5 million economic development grant and a $500,000 sustainability grant. Uh, honestly, I don't see the problem with this. This happens everywhere. If you want a prized big business to come to your state, to your city, whichever, you you wine and dine them. You entice them. That is just the way it works now. Um, let's see. The Richmond Economic Development Authority will oversee construction of both the brewery and the restaurant. Washington's heavy-handedness has rendered banks gun-shy of the city. I have to, have to act as both the banker and lead contractor. Um, supposedly Stone will pay back the debt for the brewery. Details as to how or if the other $8 million will get paid back are a little sketchier. Uh, then they go into Tea Party, crony capitalism, uh, Tennessee offering Volkswagen a $274 million package this year, Nevada giving Tesla more than a billion in tax breaks, Boeing getting several billion from Washington State. There's nothing new about this. It, it happens with sports teams. It, it, it happens to, you know... It, uh, you know, the city builds a new arena to get, be it, you know, a basketball team, hockey team, whatever. And what happens when they build that arena and no team comes there? I mean, okay, yeah, then you're kind of fucked. But this is just the way it happens. It's it's uh, free market economics. That is that is really what it comes down to. Um, let's see here. Let me see if there are any interesting things in the comments here. Um... One person says is a smack in the face of the local breweries already in Richmond making it on their own without state government assistance. Um, eh, yeah, some of these some of these people seem pretty pissed about this. Uh, did Mr. Hinkle actually ask what the local brewers might feel about Stone arriving? The economic cost benefits they see, mm. basically thinking that. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, we're close to major population centers. Even if we only get, say, 200,000 visitors to Richmond City each year, many will also seek out other local beer places and breweries. Yeah, it's one of those kind of things where it, it Stone can become a tourist attraction, and it can bring more money into the town. I, 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 think, I don't think they realize the impact that, monetarily, financially, that Stone can have for the region. But I am, I am not an economist, so... I could be wrong. Um, let's see. What else is... Um, oh, the, the, somebody else mentioned something from 2011. The governor approved a total of $3.5 million in grants from the Governor's Opportunity Fund to assist both Chesterfield County and Dinwiddie County uh, with Amazon Shipping Facilities Project. 
it, it, this always happens. Um, in 2007, $56.8 was promised to Rolls-Royce to build their plant in Prince George. Um, it, the, the, it is just the way the market works. Uh, Stone isn't doing anything wrong. Basically, they're, they're, they're playing the same game with the system. That's what that comes down to. Um, but that's not even local to me. This is something that's actually a little bit more local to me and a very, very minor story, but um, it, it popped up on my Twitter feed because I, I follow most hockey team feeds on Twitter. And this one had to do with the uh, the arena where the Devils play. They got a kind of overhaul. They got a new 3D display for the ice and everything. But one of the big things that jumped out at me in the article here from NorthJersey.com, it mentions uh, new menus offering everything from sushi to burgers made from three cuts of beef. But this was the important part. Twelve varieties of craft beer. Now, I am willing to bet that at least a few of those varieties are going to be Blue Moon, Line and Kugels. Uh, okay. But twelve as well as a signature brew specifically made for the Prudential Center will be available. I have been going all over trying to figure out what that signature brew is and who the hell makes it. Um, the only brewery I've been able to completely eliminate is uh, New Jersey Brewing Company. They told me on Twitter that they weren't involved in it. They would love to be, but they weren't. Um, I haven't been able to find out anything else from that. But if you remember... It was probably uh, during during last hockey season. Towards the end of it, I had gone to uh, a couple uh, Devils Wings games at the Prudential Center, and the beers I had, I think I had, um, I think I had like some Boddingtons. I think during one of the games, I got like a, a Molson or something, uh, some some Canadian macro beer. But I had mentioned that a way to pull me into going to more Devils games would be not only to get more craft beer in there but also perhaps to have a exclusive beer for the arena mainly a beer I can't get anywhere else I think I compared it to Buffalo Wild Wings having Game Changer from Red Hook that is their beer you cannot get that elsewhere that is for Buffalo Wild Wings and I wanted the Prudential Center to do something like that. So, I don't know. Maybe somebody's listening to my show. Who knows? Doubt it, but you never know. So, that that may entice me to to get to a Devils game at some point this season. They're only playing the Wings once. And to be honest, I, I, I can't afford those tickets this time around. So, I mean, if I can find some cheapy, like, you know, $20 ticket in the nosebleeds, I'd be fine with that. You know, playing, I don't know, Edmonton. <laughs> Uh, Calgary, <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> Have to fucking hand those out in front of the place. Uh, and then um, this last little news tidbit. Um, well, this would have been local for me if it was like 15 years ago. Uh, actor Jason Momoa buys former GM facility, plans a Detroit brewery. Now, to be honest, I did not know who this guy was. Um, in the in the picture I see on this article from uh, Eater.com, uh, he looks a bit like a uh, long-haired Dane Cook with a beard. That's what I see. But apparently he plays uh, Cal Drogo in Game of Thrones, which I don't watch. Sorry. <laughs> but um, 
Let's see. Uh, he gave an interview in a September issue of the Portland, Oregon-based Williamette Week. Uh, in the article, the actor reveals he recently purchased a 9,000-square-foot, 100-year-old former General Motors facility and is planning on turning it into a brewery. That is a very cool idea for a brewery in the Detroit area because you're getting some history out of that within that facility and it it basically embodies that whole Motor City feel. And doing a brewery in a facility like that, yeah, I mean, there's going to be overhaul the whole place, but it's still going to be an old General Motors facility. That's pretty damn cool. Um... Let's see. Uh, Momo's production company, Pride of Gypsies, also produced a commercial for The Woodsman, a collaboration brew from Carhartt and New Holland Brewing that was featured at the Great American Beer Festival in Colorado earlier this month. Uh, was that this month? Yes, that was this month. Uh, the actor who was recently in town filming Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, is apparently a big fan of everything the Michigan brewery has to offer. I've never been to a brewery where I liked every single beer except for New Holland Brewing. Dragon's Milk, Mad Hatter, Monkey King... Everything works, he tells the weekly. So he is going to be starting up a brewery in Detroit um, in a former GM facility. I'm actually curious. Uh, I probably should have looked this up, uh, which uh, old GM facility it is, to see uh, which uh, municipality he will be building it in. But I, I'm, I'm sure there will be more news about this popping up as uh, time goes on. Um. Let's see. Well, you know what? Um, I can hold that for something else. This was a topic I brought up on the Facebook group, and that is at facebook.com slash groups slash alcohol by volume if you would like to join that group. I know I've mentioned this on the show before. Discussed it in passing here and there. Um, little experiments that I've made. But it has to do with beer blends. Now, the example I gave in the Facebook group, my standby being a simple black and blue, which is equal parts Guinness and Sea Dog Wild Blueberry. Or you can use any blueberry beer, but I find Sea Dog is the gold standard to make a black and blue. Um, but then there's also a, um, what is it? Uh, I think uh, a black velvet is that's a Guinness and a cider. Uh, from what I hear, Strongbow usually works the best with that. Although I've used uh, Stella's Cidre for that before, and that has turned out excellently as well. But uh, Sherry said she tried making a black velvet once. She said, you know me and my wines, but <coughs> but it wasn't very good. I think it has potential, though, if I didn't use a cheap wine. I could see that. Uh, Seth says, uh, not a fan of most Shock Top beers, but I like doing their chocolate with the raspberry wheat. Unfortunately, the chocolate's only available during the winter months. Yeah, it, Shock Top's typically hit or miss with me. I've had some that are just really, really bad. I've had some that are really, really damn good. I know, um, I think Blue Moon has a six-pack where you're intended to mix it. I can't remember... I think it has the regular Belgian white, but then it had something else in there too. I can't remember 100% what it was. Um, but this article that I got from SeriousEats.com, it actually had a few more different beer blend recipes. I'm trying to think of any other ones that I've done. I, one, one of the old, old ones that I remember 
was, I believe, one that uh, Marie from uh, Dutch and Royce and Hippo Juice brought up, mixing equal parts um, Wells Banana Bread Beer and Young's uh, Double Chocolate Stout. I believe that was it. And you do get that kind of banana muffin flavor to it. I I think I have... Damn. I know there was another one that I did. I, I, I know I've done a black and blue with smashed blueberry before, too. Um, oh. And I'm... I, damn it. I'm I'm completely blanking on a few others that I've done, but you know I'll just I'll get into the ones that this article did because there there's some that I honestly would not have thought of, and they sound pretty damn good and easily doable. Uh, let's see, at least the the first one definitely is. Uh, let me expand these here. Okay, the smoking pumpkin. With this one, you take a uh, pumpkin ale. They uh, used Pumpkin as an example. And a rock beer. They used the Eichschlenkerla rock beer Marzen as an example. They went on to say, uh, though I love autumnal flavors, I tend to find pumpkin ale and pumpkin flavored things in general a bit too cloyingly sweet for my taste. But even if you're not into pumpkin beer, there's a blend worth trying combined with an equal part of deeply smoky rock beer, a brew made from wood-smoked malted barley. The drink acquires a rich, savory quality. It's certainly bold and heavy, the kind of beverage I think of as a fireside cocktail, something to sip after a cold night out, but it's also reminiscent of a post-meal cheese course, the kind of drink that bridges the sweet and savory with a bit of funk, or just call it what it is, pumpkin and bacon in a glass. And that's that's a pretty good way of summing that up. I, I'm trying to think what other... I, I could think a rock beer would actually blend well with with some other... Like, a, I don't know, some wheat beers maybe might blend well with. Um, I guess you'd have to be careful with the, the sweetness quotient of said wheat beer. Uh, this is another one that I could very easily do because, again, both beers they listed here I can find pretty easily. They called it a chocolate berry. They took an oatmeal stout for this one. They took um, uh, St. Ambroise from uh, McCausland. And a Flanders Red. This one they picked, Rodenbach, one that I mentioned a couple weeks ago. Tart and fruity Flanders Red Ale and dark creamy stout combined in a drink that really does evoke the experience. Have a dark chocolate-covered cherry, or my personal favorite, a spoonful of raspberry chocolate chip ice cream. Oh, God damn, now I want ice cream. When selecting a stout, you'll want something bold and rich with strong notes of coffee and chocolate. We found that drier, lighter versions muddle and dilute the flavor of the sour instead of offering a chocolatey backbone to the drink. That I could understand. Like, if you um, wanted to mix the Rodenbach with, say, a Guinness, in my opinion, the Guinness is too light for that particular blend, and you'll you'll lose something in it. Uh, but with a rich, sleepy stout like the St. Ambroise oatmeal stout pictured above, you get a real sympathy of flavor. Sympathy? Sympathy? Symphony. You ugh, can't even read today. Symphony of flavor, caramel, chocolate, citrus, and berry all in one. As for ratio, the sweet spot was right around two parts Flanders red to one part stout. Yeah, I could see that. So that, that I think that's one that I will try in the future. Um, these are two beers that well, one of them I definitely can't get. Uh, the other, I don't believe I've seen the uh, cidery before. But uh, this one, they call it Candy Apple. It's a brown ale and a hard cider. 
the examples they used here were Bell's Best Brown Ale and then uh, New York, let's see, uh, for, was it? Um, hmm. Okay, <laughs> I had to figure out the brewer name. Nine Pin Cider Works. It's their New York Hard Cider. Toasty, malty, and a little nutty. A good brown ale is plenty complex in its own right, but sometimes I find myself wishing it packed just a little more punch. Enter hard cider. We had to play around with this ratio a little bit, thinking at first we'd need more cider than brown ale to strike a good balance, but it was ultimately a three-to-one ratio of brown to cider that did the trick. Now, that's kind of interesting. I wouldn't have expected that. Uh, it's a combination that, if anything, manages to highlight the mouth-coating caramel toffee quality of Bell's Brown, cut with a nice sharp rinse of the cider, do, yeah, do be sure to seek out a really dry, crisp cider. Um, ask for something tart and not too funky, like Bordelais Cidre Brut or Le Père Jules Brut. Okay, I'm not familiar with either of those. I feel uneducated. And the last one they got here is a, well, it's a white IPA. Now, white IPA is actually an established style, but... They're kind of making it with a mix here. They took an IPA and they took a wheat beer. In this example, they took Stone Ruination IPA and um, Hitachino Nest uh, White Ale. So they say strong hoppy IPAs are no stranger to bright and citrusy wheat beer, at least in concept. Um, equal parts of each help both beers shine uniting the pleasantly bitter base notes of the Ruination IPA with the reviving citrus-scented sweetness of wheat beer. But the real upside to blending the mixture yourself, it's a chance to mingle your favorite IPA with your wheat beer of choice, a cross-brewery blend you're not likely to find in the bottle. The results are simple, crisp, and oh-so-drinkable. Um, let me see here if they uh, mention any further with this. Uh, da, 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 yeah, six ounces, six ounces... Um, the the problem the problem I've always run into with uh, with mixing my beers has been which one do I pour first? Which one is heavier? I don't want to. I, I want them to mix properly, but I don't want one to get sunk within the other either, and I I don't want it to get overwhelmed. So, um. I know that there's actually a um, there's, there's a bartender's tool that you can put over the glass also that the, when the uh, when the second beer is poured over it doesn't shoot straight down the middle. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. There, there's one I've seen and it's like a turtle, and the legs sit on the edge of the glass and you basically pour the drink over that. Or I mean you could you, you could hold a spoon over your glass. Although I've tried to do that and I just made a goddamn mess of everything. But it's kind of trying to reduce the impact so it just doesn't shoot to the bottom of the glass. Uh, but if you have any uh, beer blends that you are partial to, feel free to add them in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MLR alcohol by volume. Or wait, I take that back. That is facebook.com slash groups slash alcohol by volume. I think the page is MLR alcohol by volume. <sighs> Damn it, getting things confused. And you know what? That um, I, I I think this this next article is probably uh, probably appropriate at this moment. Boozy.com, always always giving me wonderful wonderful material. Although 
reading this article kind of frightened me a little bit. It is entitled, Signs Your Liver Needs to Take a Break and What to Do About It. Now, you know me. I hate my job. I'm constantly anxious and stressed out. Sometimes a drink is just a requirement for me to even myself out so I don't kill everyone around me. Imagine my surprise when I found out that, uh, well, my, 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 my uh, not destroyed, but overworked liver might be causing some of the irritability. Yeah. Um, so let's see what this article says here. And the multiple summer picnics, beach days, and mojitos by the pool blend seamlessly into fall's Oktoberfest beer festivals, adult spice cider, and drunk trick-or-treating. It's inevitable that the liver is eventually going to say enough. Unfortunately, it's not like this alcohol metabolizing god can just whip out its megaphone and start shouting at us when we pop the top on our next woodchuck pumpkin cider to let us know that it's calling it quits. The liver is a somewhat subtle little fella and will resort to other means to let us know that it's time for a booze break. There are lots of signs of a stressed liver, but it seems like the internet experts from WebMD to nutrition and diet experts agree that the following are common signs that your liver needs a respite. Okay. This, oof, these, these symptoms worried me a bit because I'm almost completely across the board here. The first one, fatigue and irritability. You're tired all the time and want to eat faces off for no apparent reason. That is me to a T. I am constantly exhausted and ignore the fact that I I still get like five hours of sleep a night. That's enough for me. Um, But I'm constantly just sluggish. I am irritable as fuck all the time. Um, You know, to the point where I just, I want to strangle people and... I am thankful I have the switch in my head that stops me from actually carrying it out. Uh, The next one on here. Bloating. Your tummy is doing the lumbata, and you might have some gastrointestinal issues to go with this one. Basically, you feel like the Pillsbury Doughboy all the time. That one, I don't think I'm feeling that one quite yet. Really, the bloating only comes after I've eaten some really shitty food and eaten a lot of it. Uh, this one, next one, I, I eh, well, gain like three pounds. Oof. Yeah, I know. Three pounds, what the fuck? Weight gain. Uh, not only are the drunk munchies a problem, yes they are, but booze messes with your liver enzymes and can cause your body to mess with your fat stores just from drinking it. If you've recently put on a pooch but are still exercising and eating pretty healthy, your liver your liver feeling pooped might be to blame. I try and eat okay. Uh, I've gone over this a million times. I try, you know, I watch my calories and all that shit. I exercise every goddamn day. Um, I, I, I don't think 
weight gain is a problem on my count. So as of right now, I think I'm, um, let's see, I'm, I'm, I'm one for three. So I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Okay, headaches. Again, a fault of your liver enzymes working over time or from chronic dehydration, both of which can be blamed on too much alcohol. I'm not suffering from chronic dehydration because I'm drinking water all goddamn day at work, mainly because I can't drink booze at work. Um, but then, you know, the stress headaches and everything, and maybe it is my liver doing the headaches. So, uh, okay, we're uh, two for four, two for four. And then insomnia. Well, okay, this kind of does happen. Yes, I say I, you know, usually sleep five hours a night, but uh, this typically means waking in the middle of the night and being un- unable to fall back to sleep, which is awesome since you're fatigued like always. <sighs> what night was that? I think it was two nights ago. Woke up at 2 a.m. and I, I was done. I, I was done. I laid in bed until fucking five when I had to get up for work. So uh, is, is my liver dying? As everybody chimes back, of course it is. What are you talking about? So they have tips to get back on track. These worry me some more. <laughs> uh, the good news is you don't have to enter rehab anytime soon. Well, at least I don't. Uh, or spend a fortune on some gimmicky liver detox plan. Our bodies are designed to cleanse themselves, but giving your liver some extra help can eliminate the not-so-sexy symptoms above and have you back to partying shape in no time. Step one, quit drinking for a bit. I kind of try. I, I, I honestly do. Um, yesterday, I, I made the decision to not have any beers when I got home from work. Um I mean, Tuesdays are always a different kind of thing. Tuesdays are just a given. Will I have beers tomorrow? Maybe not. We'll see. Um, They go on to say, yeah, I know it sucks, but alcohol is one of the most challenging things for your liver to process. For some folks, it could take as little as a few days to see improvement, especially combined with the steps below. Okay, number two. Put less crap in your body. Literally everything you eat passes through your liver. Like the... uh, Little Caesars hot and ready pizza I had earlier. So whether it's broccoli and steamed fish or Twinkies and coffee loaded with sugar, your liver has to deal with it. The better the food you put in, the less stress you put on your liver, getting it back to fighting shape in no time. Specifically, avoid things like coffee. Fuck. Super processed foods, i.e. McDonald's, and things with tons of sugar or chemicals. To be fair, I do only drink like one large cup of coffee a day. I usually don't drink more than that. Um, I don't typically do super processed foods. I mean, it's mostly, you know, just, you know, chicken, steak, veggies. Um, I may be getting some of that sugar with like, you know, a teriyaki sauce or something like that, but I think I'm okay in that respect. Uh, replace crap with good stuff. That's step number three. Um, hold on a second here. Uh, I know I said no gimmicky detoxes, but your body needs good nutrients. Eating green leafy or brightly colored veggies like spinach, kale, collard greens, broccoli, and beets, as well as things like garlic and onions can really boost your liver function. Now, see, I very much enjoy broccoli. I would eat broccoli all the time if uh, my wife wouldn't get sick of it. Um, I don't particularly like spinach. Can't stand kale. Never had collard greens before. And I don't like beets. So, eh. 
love garlic, love onions, but uh, you can only eat so much of that on its own <laughs> without people running away from you screaming. Uh, number four, this last one on here, get moving. Uh, exercise increases blood flow, low, ugh, blood flow to the liver, which can help speed the detox process. Not saying you have to go out and run a marathon today, but even just taking a walk, doing some yoga, or having some really, really vigorous sex will do the trick. Yes, sex can help you. And see, this is why I run every single day. At this point, I don't run because I like it. I run... A, for my sanity, it is really the only time during the day that I have nothing else to worry about. I can empty my mind, put my earbuds in, listen to a podcast, listen to, I've been listening to Doctor Who radio dramas lately, um, and let nothing else bug me. And then that running burns off calories for which I can have beers later in the day. I don't know if you, some of you may have seen me post it on Facebook that that shirt will run for beer. That is a shirt that I really, really need. Ugh. Um, no comments on this article. I never see comments on boozy articles. Um, kind of surprised by that. Um, let me see couple more things here that I could hit before the break. Um, well, you know what? There, there was one here. I, I got this from... Uh, I actually got this from Marianne. Uh, you all remember Marianne, right? This was uh, 10 awesome beer names from the 2014 Great American Beer Festival. Some of these I thought were actually pretty clever. Some of them I'm like, meh. And there was one in particular that I wasn't all that impressed with because I thought it was kind of a cop-out. So they went in alphabetical order here. Um, and they included what medal they won in 2014 as well. Uh, from Mobcraft Beer, Madison, Wisconsin, they got a silver for coffee beer for this one. Batshit crazy. This is the one I have a problem with. Because it's too on the nose. Look at Terrapin. And they made that beer called Guano Loco which translates to batshit crazy. I think that was a more creative way to do it, honestly, but that's just me. Um, next one they got here, Four Seasons Brewing Company out of Latrobe, Pennsylvania. They got a silver for their oatmeal stout here. Uh, dark Side of the Pint. Again, you know, okay name, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not quite... Were they going for Dark Side of the Moon? I mean, pint doesn't rhyme with moon. Um, if you're going for Dark Side of the Force, it's still not working. I don't know. The third one on here, I think this was probably one of my favorites. From Sound Brewery out of uh, Polsbo. Ooh, I believe that's Washington. It's W-A... Yeah, W-A is Washington, I believe. A bronze. This was for a uh, Belgian style Abbey Ale. Double Entendre. D U B B E L. Entendre. Now that is clever. And I don't know why I never would have thought of something like that before. Um, 
number four. Uh, this is from Trinity Brewing out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, they got a bronze for field beer. And I'm not even sure what that category falls into. I think part of this is the spelling of it, but basically it's electric cucumber. E-L-E-K-T-R-I-C-K-C-U-K-U-M-B-A-H-H. Yeah, spell that out in your head. I think that one's kind of cool. I, I, I'd like to see a label that would go with that, honestly. Number five. Uh, Old Town Brewing Company, Portland, Oregon. Silver, German-style Kolsch. I'd like to buy the world a Kolsch. Now, a lot of you may not even be old enough to remember why this is even some kind of creative reference, but there was an ad campaign many years back from Coca-Cola where they sang a song that was entitled, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Therefore, I'd like to buy the world a Kolsch. Number six on the list. This one's actually pretty good, too. From Wits End Brewing Company, Denver, Colorado. They got a gold Belgian-style blonde ale or pale ale, Jean-Claude Van Blonde. Um, I almost think there could have been something else done with it. Um, but it works. It works. Um, number seven, Bottle Logic Brewing, Anaheim, California. Gold. For American-style dark lager. I like this one, too. Especially because the name of the brewery, Bottle Logic. So you're kind of going with uh, science logical themes here. Logarithm. Yes, it's a lager. A logarithm. Yes. I'm okay with that one. Uh, number eight. Nutcase Peanut Butter Porter from Listerman Triple Digit Brewing Company out of Cincinnati, Ohio. They got a bronze for specialty beer initially I didn't see the big deal about this one, but Nutcase, okay. Yeah, it, it's not huge, but it works. Uh, Iron Hill Brewery and Restaurant uh, out of Media, Pennsylvania. And I think I'm familiar with that place. Uh, silver for a rye beer. And it's a good thing that this is a rye beer. Otherwise, the name would be really ridiculous. Rye of the Tiger. It's almost too easy. Almost too easy. And then the tenth one, I was actually surprised this was in the list because we all know about this one. Dewclaw Brewing, Rosedale, Maryland. A bronze for chocolate beer. It's our favorite sweet baby Jesus, which is a good beer name in itself. Um, God damn it, Roy Black on Crack is correcting me. Uh, Kulsh? Is that a little bit better? Not Kulsh. Kulsh? Kulsh? I'll accept that that's uh, probably a little bit closer to, to where it should be. It would not be an episode of ABV if I was not mispronouncing things. Alcohol by Cheers. volume, Kevin oh, Show. Hey! It's hey. oh, the name of the show. Hey. More like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. Let's shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness very unappealing. I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Mr. Turtle. 
How many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? I ain't never made it through a whole episode. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? Let's find out. A one, a two, a three, three. How many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? The world may never know. I said three, motherfucker. The Shy Kids podcast. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific at morelikeradio.com. We are the Shy Kids. See right there. It's done. Theme song. That was emotionally fuck. What? You can't even say it wrong correctly. Mary Catley and Oshley. Stroking worse than Kate. Wow. See? Mary Cat and Billy Ocean? Well, that was the one you, you had you to could probably, you could probably, You could probably say Mary Catley Olsen because then you wouldn't have to say Ashley. But you know what else? You know what else I read? What I figured out was interesting. Why don't people call it Ashley and Mary Kate Olsen instead of Mary Kate and Oshley? God damn it. Talk Radio Meltdown every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Hey, smokers, you stink. I'm not talking about your character. That's a given. I'm talking about your clothes. It's time to kick the butts and move over to something more pleasant. I'm talking about e-cigs from Smokeless Image. They're cheaper than cigarettes, don't smell, and are available in a wide variety of flavors ranging from mints, fruits, desserts, or the traditional tobacco flavors if that's what you want. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke for all your vaping needs. That's tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke. Saturday's noon east. Join Halls and Rorschach as they bring you the news you need to get you through your weekend. Ollie, Ollie, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> okay, Ollie, I'm outside right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really boring hard out here. Uh, Sounds like it. Where are you at? Are you in Antarctica? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Holly. I see somebody coming toward me. There's a, there's a man coming toward me. Uh, hold on a second. Hey guys, it's Halls from It's All About Me. Join Rorschach and myself every Saturday from noon to 2 Eastern Time right here on More Like Radio. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I just keep thinking to myself, and it makes me giggle, that I, every time I hear the story, I imagine it was Ray Romano in the same situation. <laughs> oh. Oh, Debra. Oh, kind of does I barely it. touched her. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it was my brother. Look at him. He's bigger than me. Come on. Come on. Everybody loves me. I got twins. Come on. Oh, let's go. Let's go Home Depot. Come on. Fess up, Raymond. You know it was you. They got you on video. Anybody want soup? Ma, come on. We're talking over here. Oh man, I'm dying. 
<laughs> so if you learn anything from Hippo Juice, remember Ray Romano allegedly punched his wife in an elevator. Right. <laughs> we don't report the news accurately. We report half of it. Whatever. It's still news. So fuck you guys. This is more entertaining than some football player. Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL48 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL48. That's D-E-A-L-48 at adamandeve.com. You know, at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Where are you going for here? We'll name check every country on the show, that way no one can be mad. How about that? I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah, cool. Birdie, birdie. <laughs> and to the Italians? Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. <laughs> okay. To the Mexicans? The A-Man. <laughs> uh, Spain? <laughs> uh, Singapore? Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Crocodile Doom Dark. No. A big loop, are you? <laughs> no, that sounds That's like terrible. Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster, after lubricating it in my asshole, and put it up as far as I could in my asshole, and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. <laughs> I can't believe I then I then imagined my I then imagined in my head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball, shooting all my pee into my ass. <laughs> I kept taking to the, I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, <laughs> making it feel like it was a huge come. Listen to Dutch and Royce live Tuesdays from ten to midnight, only on MoreLikeRadio.com. Hey you, yes. You guessed 10,542. Change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. 
it's probably reminding you to order something you'll need from Amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. It's right there on the right, stupid. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. More like radio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. And besides attempted murder on a black guy, you're under arrest for violating the Exotic Fish and Wildlife Importation Act. Yeah, whatever, Dudley douchebag. Plus, you already used that one. Hey, it was good enough to merit seconds. You hear that? They called you exotic. Which is just people talk for awesome, which is what you are, which is why I was happy to save your life, buddy. No, don't worry. Probably just thousands of dollars in fines. Maybe a little jail time. Hopefully just probation. Totally worth it. No, Babu. That was all sarcasm. Yes! All of it! You fox-eared asshole! Welcome back. Hour number two of Alcohol by Volume here at morelikeradio.com. Jump into the chat room, morelikeradio.com slash live. Uh, so uh, Chris Bradley will be calling in in uh, just a little bit, in about uh, 10, 15 minutes or so. So uh, before that, let's see what I got here. What else we got here on the docket? Okay, there was, there was uh, one story that uh, I found and I actually had... Uh, who was it? I think White S. Brent posted it on the uh, Facebook group as well. This this was a bizarre one. I, I didn't understand where this was going at first. Um, let me make sure I have that unmuted. Okay. Um, uh, from coloradoan.com. Colorado Brewery buys a store's entire stock of Count Chocula twice. Now, from the Coloradoan, they decided to entitle this Missing Count Chocula Found Drowned in Beer. Which, okay. Um, what the hell is a 900 degree pizza? Hold on. I gotta look this up. Uh, 900 degrees pizza. Okay, they're not telling me anything. It's, it's just a pizza. Oh, it's a pizza place in Fort Collins, Colorado. That's a good looking pizza, too. Um, so, missing Count Chocula. The case of the missing Count Chocula cereal bottle. Uh, cereal bottles? God damn it. Ugh. Cereal boxes was solved Friday when the when a craft brewer admitted to buying them to brew in a small batch beer. Stay with me here, people. Black Bottle Brewery in Fort Collins bought two Albertsons inventories of the iconic chocolate and marshmallow bit cereal, puzzling at least one shopper in the process. Uh, let's see. Every year I greatly look forward to the month of October when I can purchase a few boxes of this delicious chocolatey goodness, Kristen Clark wrote in a letter to the Coloradoan. Clark is a, quote, vegetarian and organic food eater for the most part, but said she makes an exception once a year at Halloween for the, for the 43-year-old General Mills cereal. Every year, that is. Until this year. Uh, Black Bottle General Manager Steve Merrick wasn't sure if Clark was joking, but he said, well, I have a couple extra. I, I might have to award her a box. Or, you know, maybe she could have gone to a different store, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, is Fort Collins that small? 
Uh, the reason for the brewery's large purchase, Merrick said, is the brewery's Serialiciously Beer Series. And I, I didn't know about this. This sounds amazing. A creation that has already sogged the likes of Golden Grams, Reese's Puffs, Reese's Puffs are overrated, and Cinnamon Toast Crunch into a milky stout. The process is similar to dry hopping a beer. Merrick said, we put the cereal into a hop back so it doesn't get into the beer. We did it as a joke at first, but the beer turned out well. Uh, Cereal-iciously chalk... Yeah, cereal... No, I'm sorry. It's not cereal-iciously. Cereal... Cereal-iciously... I'll spell it for you, and then you can see why I'm stumbling over this. C-E-R-E-A-L-I-O-U-S-L-Y. So it's like serious but it's serialously serialously wow I did it Count Chocula will be released October 30th but beer and cereal fans have more iterations to look forward to including Lucky Charms for St. Patrick's Day Lucky Charms doesn't really have much of a flavor though I mean Lucky Charms the um, the cereal bits really taste like Cheerios with a little bit of sweetness to them and then you got the marshmallows uh, and Cap'n Crunch for another occasion. Okay, uh, Cap'n Crunch, that I, I can get behind that. And you won't mess up the roof of your mouth either. Uh, Clark, for one, said she won't be partaking in any Count Chocula beer. <laughs> Blueberry and Frankenberry are available at Albertsons, but as I pass them by, or as I pass by them each time, the void that is Count Chocula fills my heart. Sounds a little like Melvin, doesn't it? Um, the Colorado performed a quick search at another Fort Collins grocer. North College Avenue's King Supers and a store representative confirmed, quote, plenty of boxes of all three monster cereals. So I think um, I think Kristen Clark is just a uh, lazy ass. That's what I think. Uh, let's see. Let's see if there are any interesting comments in this article. Um Although somebody else says sounds like Kristen Clark is in on the joke and the Colorado one was a little slow to the punchline. Um, um, okay, yeah. These, wow, these these comments are bad. Ugh. I mean, I know I try and uh, be comedic at times, but oof. Th- those, those were just, those were awful. Awful. So awful, I'm not even going to read them. Um... Yeah, a few more minutes here. Another um, growler-based Kickstarter out there. They're, they're of... Um, oh yeah, Chef Sprocket says, Captain Crunch, little razor blades in a bowl. Yeah, that's... Aside from the fact that I would eat an entire box in one sitting because it's so delicious, I would shred the hell out of my mouth, too. Now, if you can if you can infuse the flavor of Captain Crunch into a beer, I'm all over that. Completely all over that. Um, Let's see. Ah... Uh, Another Kickstarter. This is a, a Growler Kickstarter. I've, I've seen a few different Growler Kickstarters before. I don't know how... Uh, excuse me. God. See? Constantly fatigued. Always tired. What the hell? Um, this one... Actually... I'm kind of interested in this one. It's the UKEG Pressurized Growler. Let me see if I can copy this image and uh, dump it into the chat here. And little Matt, if you're still around, um, 
Yeah, uh, actually, the Wings game starts at 7:30, doesn't it? So I don't think I don't think that'll be a problem. I won't need score updates really. If it started at seven, I'd be like, eh, maybe. Yeah, 7:30. Never mind. Never mind. Um, but uh, posted that in the chat there, so you can kind of see the schematics of this. Basically, it's a pressurized growler. You see all the elements of it: a CO2 regulator cap, set the pressure, a tap handle, tap locks. There's a sight glass on it, so you can see how much is in there because it's obviously not a see-through growler in this case. Pressure gauge, it's double wall vacuum insulated. Uh, the article goes on to state, if you're a craft beer nerd, chances are excellent you've learned to handle that love-hate growler relationship. Growlers are far from perfect, but they're the most universal way to get your favorite microbrews home from the brewery or pub so you can enjoy them later in the comforts of your own home. Okay, this next statement here, I have... I have arguments with at least one of these but traditional growlers have two huge problems your beer goes flat too quickly and that glass construction combined with a somewhat unwieldy size make them really fragile i've never had a growler go flat maybe i drink it quickly enough and the places i go pressurize it enough so it's not really that much of a big deal um and i've broken one growler okay that that is true but uh growler works w-e-r-k-s they're hoping to solve these problems with the pressurized growler. If you look at the diagram, you see everything that's going on there. Vacuum insulated, double wall stainless steel. You can, uh, it has a carbonation tap. You use CO2 cartridges. You can uh, change out the tap handle if you want to put a different tap handle on there. The sight glass, pressure gauge. It's going to be in 64 ounce and in 128 ounce sizes. It is, let's see, it's on Kickstarter. So if you look up Growler Works, uh, the UK pressurized growler, uh, they were at, let's see, when did this article hit? This hit on the 16th, and they needed $75,000. When the article was written, 70488 So let's see where they're at right now. Holy shizzle! Wow! Okay, $75,000 goal. <laughs> they are at two hundred and seventy three thousand six hundred and seventy two dollars um let's see to get the growl oh okay it was 79 dollars or more to get the uh, early bird 64 ounce and that's all gone the next one up 99 dollars for the 64 ounce so uh <laughs> if, if you're interested in that 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 kickstarter is happening wow that jeez that is that is really impressive. Um, let's see. They posted a visual project timeline on their campaign page. Company was founded in February. Design concept was chosen in June uh, June first. Industrial design complete in the middle of June. Plastic SLA model received on um, let's see July seventh, uh, July sixteenth. Working prototype ordered. August 21st, working prototype received, successfully tested, and then they launched the Kickstarter. Um, wow, that was just six days ago. That is really, really impressive. And then they go forward. Product tooling order, December 5th. Kickstarter complete on December 7th. They're going to make a fortune off this. Wow. Um, order ship in May. Wow. Oh, I am... I am... I am astounded how... like How quickly that uh that amount shot up on that um let's see da, da, da. 
one more th- one more thing before uh, before Chris ends up calling in here. Um, some of you may have seen this kind of hovering around the interwebs. It's another Kickstarter. This one's called the Bottle Loft. Um, and I be- I believe yeah, it's on Kickstarter. Um, I'll open up that Kickstarter page. It's basically built with strong like bull magnets, and it is something that is installed on the upper shelf of your fridge. And you can put your beer bottles on it. You can put jars on it with metal lids. Um, basically, anything that has a metal lid on it, you can mount it on this. Uh, you know, pasta sauce, uh, diced tomatoes. I mean, they're, they're showing all sorts of stuff on here. Basically, um, it will free up that space. I always have problems fitting beer into my fridge. And it frees it up by raising it up so it's suspended from the shelf, or from the ceiling of the fridge. Um, and if you look in the chat, you'll. Oh, it would help if I hit enter to actually submit the image. So you kind of see what the bottle loft looks like there. Now, one of the problems that some people thought might be an issue is that the you know a, a good slam of the door could dislodge everything. Apparently, they tested this, and they had a video showing that even, like, the most aggressive of slams, bottles would not move. So, this is actually a cool space-saving idea, primarily for beers, but again, you can use it for other stuff, too. This is the kind of thing I would need, because I'm always taking up so much... There's so much damn wasted space. If I got cans in there, it's fine. If it's bottles, so much wasted space in the fridge, and I'm always messing up with that. Um, and, you know, and they hit their goal too. They got 19 days to go, twenty thousand dollar goal. They've hit a little over thirty five, um, thirty five thousand dollars right now. Um, let's see the lowest pledge. You can pledge twenty bucks or more, and uh, you get one bottle loft to hang three bottles. U.S. shipping included. Uh, thirty-five dollars. Uh, for two bottle offs is all gone. Thirty-nine for two bottle offs. I guess that was an early backer one before. Hang a six pack of bottles. Thirty-nine bucks. Um, I'd be tempted to do this if it wasn't for the fact that we are moving out of this house and it will not be my refrigerator anymore to uh to mess with. Um. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh let me see. Ooh. Why did I close that tab? Reopen, close tab. Here we go. Um, wait, that is not the... Oh. I know how to browse the internet. Really, I do. So, uh... Pop one more image in there just to kind of show you that this thing... This thing ain't messing around. This thing works. I, I, I really want this. But again, it's not going to be my fridge anymore, so I'm not going to be able to deal with that. Um, let's see. Duh, duh, duh. See now, I'm, now I'm just kind of now I'm killing a little bit of time. Um, although you know what, I do I do see Chris on Skype, so maybe I will maybe I'll try and dial over to him and see what happens here. Let me uh, close some of these out here. Make sure my levels are uh, everywhere where they need to be. 
and let's see if this will work. Uh, holy crow, that's loud. See, I'm very technical. Hopefully he's there. Did I catch a bathroom break? I may have. Okay, I, you know what? I'll, uh, Chris will probably see the missed call, and he'll probably, hopefully, try and give me a call back. So, you know what? I'll, uh, let me jump into something else here. Oh, what else I got here? Uh, bottle loft. Da -da -da. Oh, here we go. Okay, let me pick up. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Oh, not too bad. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to be on the show again. Well, thank you for coming back. So, the project you got going now. Yes, sir. Destination Beer. Um, so, uh, tell us all about it. Because, uh, I mean, I know I've been, you know, posting on Facebook and Twitter and everything about it. But for those people that don't know about it, I'll kind of let you explain it here. Well, um, basically, uh, you know, you and I talked uh, probably a year and a half, maybe, or maybe longer ago, uh, about it. It was actually the same project. Uh, back then, it was called Breweries, Bars, and Beer Food, mm -hmm. and the uh, basic idea was to create a show that would feature craft beer and food on television. Yeah. And last year, we had an opportunity to uh, create a pilot. We did that with the help of Deschutes Brewery up in Bend, Oregon, and uh, shot the pilot, edited it down, uh, made a great sizzle reel out of it, which uh, we can definitely uh, make sure... Uh, your listeners have a chance to see. And then we took it to people in the industry, uh, trying to show them what uh, we thought the public would like. And we got some great feedback. A lot of people really enjoyed uh, the concept. Um, some of the feedback we got was that they thought the name was a little bit on the clunky side. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, when I came up with the show's name, I was like, oh, Diners, Drivers, and Dives. Breweries, bars, and beer food. Oh, that works. But nobody could ever get the name right. It was always <laughs> bars and beers and, you know, nobody ever really could nail it. So I'll admit, I, I had the same problem, too, where I, I would be transposing words here and there, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's real easy to do when you've got alliteration that's working so well like that. Yep. And uh, so um, I was in a conversation with a gentleman about um, – some aspects of the show and I told him that I really wanted to take some of the more intense brewing uh, demonstration out of it uh, just not showing every single detail of the brewing process because yeah. that's fairly redundant mm -hmm. um, it's the same for everybody and and I wanted to bring in more of a travel uh, concept showing uh, you know if we go to Bend Oregon and shoot the shoots then we show what else there is to do in Bend. You okay. know, the skiing and the kayaking and mountain biking and things like that. And immediately, as soon as I said it, I was like, destination. It's destination beer. We're talking about destinations that people go to, to you know, for travel purposes, but that are foodies and they like beer and they like doing other things. 
boom, destination beer. And it literally just came in a, a flash second. And so, boom, that, that's what became of the name. And uh, we started to incorporate uh, travel into it. And so here we are today uh, trying to uh, make it live again. And I think I think it's a concept. I know there have been a couple other beer shows that have popped up, like like Brew Dogs and stuff like that. Right. But I I don't think they've really I don't think they've really married all the concepts necessarily of beer, food, and travel. And that's no. that's what I find unique about this. Nobody has done that. And I I I, I tell you, it's funny to think about it. But with all the shows that we have on television. Nobody has done this. Yeah, and it's it's very surprising. I mean, if if there was if there was one person that I would have picked on television that may have gotten close to it, and I think he actually, um, I think he did have a beer show at one point. It was uh, Anthony Bourdain, his production company did. Uh huh. But I think uh, what was it Brewmasters? But I think it ended up getting canceled due to pressure from some of the big beer advertisers. Well, uh, Brewmasters was done with Sam uh, Calagione yes. yeah. from Dogfish Head. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, of course, the show featured Sam and the uh, gang at Dogfish Head, some of the different beers he was making and some of the, the cool things he was incorporating into beer styles. Um, but, you know, one of the aspects of that show, which was both, you know, fascinating, but uh, it left a lot to be desired was that it was a lot about daily life in a brewery and a little bit of uh, drama with you know various brew styles or this went went wrong and so now we have an episode about this, um, which was you know in a way it was fascinating it was interesting Sam is is uh, obviously very charismatic very uh, intelligent when it comes to uh, what he does with his business and very popular among craft beer people, mm-hmm. um, but. There were still some aspects that weren't that weren't there. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Brew Dogs, which you know James. I know James, and you know that guy is he is wild. He is fun. He is intelligent. He is just downright crazy sometimes. And it's a fun show, but it's what um, what's people in the industry they refer to that as stunt brewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's interesting. It's cool. You know, you go make a beer from the fog in San Francisco or you make it on a train or, you know, with rocks in Hawaii. Um, yeah, that stuff's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. But the average individual that just enjoys TV and maybe just enjoys a beer and doesn't really know a lot about it, that's going to be way over their heads. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I guess I'm trying to marry things that are going to be common for people who just enjoy beer. Yeah. So you sit down at whether it's your dinner table, your buddy's house, the local bar, and you like a beer. You don't need to know all the details about all the hops or all the malts or, you know, whatever else the brewery makes. You don't have to have all that information. You just like beer. And I think it's probably safe to say everybody enjoys food and, you know, hopefully some good food and travel. I think everybody enjoys getting away and, you know, uh, enjoying different uh, destinations. And so that's my goal is to try and bring those three things together in a show. Yeah, it, it seems like the elements of this show, that it's going to be one of those things that is more generally accessible to people where 
you know, at, at, at the very least, two out of the three things you will find interesting with the show. You're you're gonna exactly. like you're gonna like travel. You're gonna like food. Okay, maybe you're not a beer drinker, but you'll still find it interesting. Or yeah, you're into exactly. the beer and the food. So um, I, I I think I think that works really well with that. That's that's the hope. Uh, you know, there are, according to the Brewers Association, there are 100 million beer drinkers in America. And so that's a lot of people that are enjoying beer. Now, again, do all of those people enjoy uh, craft beer or do they know the specifics about the beer they enjoy? Probably not. But the to have a starting point of, I like beer, mm-hmm. you know, and to have an audience of 100 million people that like beer, that's a pretty safe place to start. Yeah, I mean, for, for television, and uh, excuse the pun, it, it's an untapped market, really. <laughs> oh, you've been saving that one up, haven't oh, you? Oh, no, that, that actually just came to me about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> well, that's a fair way to say yep. it. It is very much an untapped market because nobody's doing it yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so obviously my hope is that I can make it happen. Yeah, get, get in on the ground floor and, you know, be be one of the pioneers for it, basically. Yeah. Now, with the the breweries that you have planned for season one, I saw we got um, well, obviously Deschutes, Twenty uh, First Amendment, Oscar Blues, and a bunch of others. Did you have working relationships with any of these breweries beforehand, or did most of it kind of come about because of the show? Um, I had working relationships with most of the breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been in the beer industry now for uh, going on about seven years. Um, not uh, both on the media side, but also on the the brewery and distribution side and retail side. So I've kind of covered all the tiers uh, plus media. Um, And so I had relationships. uh, I had a very strong relationship or have a very strong relationship with uh, the gang over at Deschutes. Mm -hmm. I love the beers that they're making. And, um, you know, when I thought about doing a pilot episode, it just made sense to do it with people that I had a great relationship with, but also that make amazing beers and are um, very available across most of the United States. Um, and once that happened and I began to look at where we're advancing the project to now with the campaign, uh, yeah, I wanted to look at people I had relationships with. And so uh, Oscar Blues, I've got a strong relationship with, uh, with the guys there. 21st Amendment and Sean and Zambo and those guys, um, New Glarus uh, with Deb and Dan Carey. Um, I know them. Brooklyn Brewery, Carbach, which is in my hometown of Houston, mm-hmm. Nola Brewery, uh, Cigar City, Boulevard, Nebraska, uh, pretty much everybody, I guess, I had a pretty decent relationship with. Uh, the only one that I had to establish a relationship with uh, in terms of the 11 breweries that we've signed on so far is Yingling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know the, uh, know them uh, at all, but I knew I wanted to incorporate them simply because I am a history buff and they are the oldest brewery in America. Uh, they've been, uh, I forget the exact year they started, but they're somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 years old. Mm-hmm. And they survived Prohibition, and it was up until about 20 years ago, I think, maybe even 30, that they were still lagering their beers in the caves below the brewery. Oh, wow. Exactly. Wow. You, you, you hear that, and you're just like, oh, my God, that is, that's so cool. 
And so, you know, I really wanted to bring them in for that, for that purpose to just show a little bit about the history of beer in America and incorporate that. Um, so they, yeah, those are the only ones that I really had to establish a relationship with. And, uh, I've been very fortunate to do that. Uh, the people that I've uh, talked to over there are just, they're very passionate about their craft. Now, when, when you were, um, planning through and, you know, going through the breweries that you were going to, uh, profile on this, were there actually, I, I have to ask this, were there any breweries that actually turned you down or did you, or did any approach you and you actually declined on them? I'm just very curious about that. Um, I did have one brewery turn me down and it was simply because, uh, they were just way too busy, uh, uh to, to, uh, accommodate both the campaign and a shooting schedule. Mm-mm. Um, I'm not going to say which brewery. Yeah. I obviously have hopes that uh, we'll be able to do them in a second season if we have one, uh, which I hope we do. Um, but I'm, I'm friends with the owner of the brewery, and we had talked about it earlier in the year at CBC in Denver, and he was excited about it. But you know, by the time we got around to it and we're ready to do it, he just was very upfront and said, I wish we could, <laughs> I really do, but we have just got way too much on our plate right now to take on one more thing. Yeah, when you end up in a crunch like that and just trying to add the element yeah. of like and, a production they're, they're crew in, in there. They're in an expansion uh, program right now. And so, you know, um, it's a good thing that they have to turn us down. They've yeah. got a lot going on. But, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get around to them in season two. And the door's open for season two with them, yeah. Yeah, now, absolutely. Uh, that's the great thing about what we're doing is – the craft beer community is behind this. They love the concept. Obviously, they want to see craft beer on television. And most people that are into craft beer enjoy good food and enjoy beer and food pairing. And so this is an easy concept to get behind. And so it's, it's really just a matter of making, making it work, of being able to, uh, to fund the season and uh, film the episodes and show people what this can look like. And and with the the growth of craft breweries lately, you you would have you'll have no end of locations to go <laughs> to ultimately. That is uh, very true. Um, obviously, there will be some destinations on the map that would get hit multiple times uh, because of the population of craft breweries. Mm-hmm. But but you're exactly right. There are uh, there's over three thousand breweries in America today. And that number is going up all the time with more in planning. And um, so, yeah, there's going to be an endless supply of people to introduce the, uh, the, the you know, TV audience to and show them, you know, who's making beer in their neighborhood. Now, being here in New Jersey, I got to ask, have you been to um, any of the breweries here in New Jersey, like Carton or Kane? I have not. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, the, the, Actually, the only uh, time I can say that I've been to New Jersey was a visit to New York, and the, the cabbie took the wrong exit, and we ended up in New Jersey. <laughs> that's, that's very easy to do, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I was like, hey, I've been to New Jersey now. Um, so I have not actually, outside of that and a quick turnaround, I have not been to the state, to the Garden State, but um, it is on my list. Yeah, they're, they're like... There are not 
at least in my general area, there are not a whole lot of them. I know as you go further south in Jersey, because I'm I'm like north, like a lot closer to New York City. Um, but they're, they're starting to, they're starting to expand a bit more down there. Like I said, Carton, Kane, uh, Cricket Hill, uh, River Horse. Um, I, I've be, I've been to Kane and Carton, and just Carton is absolutely stellar. Um, and, and they're they're one of those breweries that they have maybe two different varieties that actually go out to stores. Everything right. else is just at the brewery, or if you're lucky to find a growler fill somewhere, things like that. Cool. And and you know that's what's really awesome about an opportunity like this is you know for me you know I live in Houston uh, I've not been to New Jersey and obviously I don't have access to those beers, uh, but. One of the great things about having so many breweries and having the growth of craft beer is that you know that in every state and in certainly in a lot of the, the larger cities, there are breweries opening up and they're making good beer. And, you know, in terms of the destination aspect of it, you know, for me, I'd like to go to New Jersey. I'd mm-hmm. like to visit and I'd like to discover uh, the different breweries that are there, the beers they're making, and what they're doing um, in the community. Um, and not just New Jersey, but obviously a lot of different states. And I'm sure you can say the same thing about states you'd like to visit. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of room for this concept to really, um, to really be successful. Um, let's see. Uh, you know what? The, the last time I had you on the show, I remember, um, and you may remember this, where I was talking about how I could not get myself into IPAs. Okay. And I have finally actually kind of trained my palate enough to get into them. All right. So I've, I've been dipping more into that realm. I'm curious if there are any styles now that you have jumped into lately that you almost had to kind of train yourself into, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, absolutely. And I actually do remember uh, that conversation. Um, and I believe I recommended uh, Firestone Walker's Double Jack to you as an initial beer. Yep. And I did get uh, that. Uh, mostly because of the malt backbone that kind of eases you in in terms of the uh, overall bitterness. But um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say that um, probably not so much recently, uh, but uh, a few years ago, as sour beers uh, were becoming popular, uh, I am in general not a fan of sour things. Hmm. And whether it's candies or you know just whatever whatever kind of sour foods are out there, uh, puckering type foods, that's typically not something I enjoy. And so, you know, the first few times I was trying sour beers, I was like, wow, this is just really, I don't think this is for me. (laughs) But, you know, it was actually kind of interesting. And this applies not only to uh, sour beers, but to IPAs, pale ales, stouts, barley wines. There are different approaches to to the different styles. Mm -hmm. And so where the initial sour beers that I tried didn't really – uh, strike my palate as something I was going to enjoy. Um, there were other sours that were really good. Um, I remember one of the first um, one of the first styles uh, I really began to enjoy 
was in the lambic category, mm-hmm. yep. and I really enjoyed uh, creeks, which are uh, made with cherries, and they got you know they do have a lot of tartness, and uh, the raspberries, the framboise, um, those were initially something I was like, wow, this is kind of good, and from there it went to uh, a vice, mm-hmm. um, which is very tart and still my favorite. Uh, this was out when I was living in Los Angeles. Uh, made by the brewery, uh, B R U E R Y, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, eastern, just east of LA, uh, Orange County. Uh, they make uh, the Hot and Roth uh, Berliner Weiss, which yep. is a um, it's an old style, old German style, originated in Berlin. Uh, very low alcohol, about three to three and a half percent alcohol. Very very tart flavors, but in the summertime, extremely refreshing. Yep, I actually I found a bottle of that uh, a couple months ago and it grabbed that up right away. Yeah, and so yeah, there's uh, there were definitely some styles that um, I, in a way, had to train myself to appreciate. And there's still some beers out there that just aren't my thing. Um, and you know that's going to be the case for I think a lot of people. Um, but it doesn't. You don't have to like every single beer out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you do like a beer and you can appreciate what goes into um, into making it, into the history of it, uh, into the different uh, approaches to it from breweries. That's where it really starts to get fun. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of gotten to the point where if I encounter a beer that I don't personally like, I can still, I can taste it and go into the elements of it and say, okay, I don't personally like this, but I can understand why somebody will enjoy these flavors. Right. So I I have definitely evolved that way. I mean now I mean now I I I uh I made an order on um online, got myself a bottle of the latest uh, Stone Enjoy by IPA because it wasn't distributed oh, out here. That's a good beer. I have I have a bottle now of the Enjoy After that I'm gonna sell her. <laughs> so, um, the uh, yeah, some the, of those beers are gonna be good for cellaring, but not all of them. Yeah, the the Enjoy After that one is uh it's Enjoy After uh. 10 31 15 so because they um basically the way they did it it's actually still carbonating in there and they have the uh they brewed it with the bretonomyces and it basically has to develop all the way into next october <laughs> right yeah. so that, that one that one is going to be very very interesting and that's the great thing um i don't know if we talked about uh i i do a lot of cellaring mm-hmm. uh, i've got a, a pretty good collection of uh different beers that i've been aging and different styles. I know. Um, I, I saw that picture on your Facebook page of that beer shelf of yours. That oh, was just one. That and was that amazing. Was, um, that was my initial. Like I, I used to have my beer collection in uh, in a storage unit, mm-hmm. in a climate controlled storage unit, and I moved into a bigger apartment, so I decided to make the uh, second bedroom my cellar. And as I unpacked boxes i kept buying bookshelves and so i am now up to five bookshelves of beer wow <laughs> um it's uh it, it's uh yeah it's quite a bit actually people walk in here and they're just like oh my god it, it is so, impressive though it's fun it, you know it's i've got it's hard to do in one aspect because you buy a good beer you want to drink it exactly um but part of that is knowing that okay what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy two or three of this beer. I'll drink one now, mm-hmm. but I know that this style or this particular uh, beer will age 
and maybe it'll get better or it'll change into just some different flavors. And um, so what I've done is I've put together a lot of the beers that I've got um, create um, verticals. I don't know if your audience is familiar with the term uh, vertical, but it's in uh, essence, a vertical is the same beer or, or wine. It's used often in the wine industry. The same beer or wine enjoyed uh, from different years. Mm-hmm. So it could be like um, I, I just picked up some uh, Brooklyn uh, black chocolate stout for this year. I've got all of the Brooklyn black, black chocolate stouts going back to uh, 2009. Oh, wow. So I can have a 9, a 10, 11, a 12, a 13, and a 14. I can put that vertical together and I can look at what the beer has done since 2009 and what it tastes like fresh because their recipe doesn't change. Yeah. And so it's an opportunity to see what the beer will do over the course of time. Um, and my guess is the 09 is probably not, it's probably past its peak. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a beer that probably is best at, I would say, two to three years. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's kind of fun to play with it like this and see what happens. And just see sometimes you get the unexpected flavors that will pop out at that certain age threshold and things like that. Absolutely. And, you know, um, with different beers, you're going to get different things that will stand out. Um, you know, Imperial Stouts age very, very well, especially bourbon barrel-aged Imperial Stouts. Uh, one of the things you're going to get in a beer that has any kind of age on it is at least some level of oxidation. Mm-hmm. Um, bottle caps just aren't, you know, they're, they're going to let some air in over the course of years. Yeah. Um, even, you know, wax, uh, dipping will help with that, but you're going to get at least a little bit. Um, beyond that, what flavors of the beer are going to come out? If it's bourbon barrel aged, are you still going to get that boozy vanilla flavor from a bourbon barrel or are you still going to get, or maybe is the chocolate of the, uh, the chocolate malt of the stout, is that now? Uh, standing out a little bit sharper than it used to be. Um, one thing you will not get over time is hops. Hops will definitely fade mm-hmm. uh, over the course of time. Yep. Yeah, but I've, I've always read like it, most of the, most of the time you do not want to you know seller an IPA unless it is specifically intended for that, just because it, it will degrade vastly over time. And more than likely, you're not going to find any IPAs that are intended to be aged. Yeah. Simply because, obviously, the defining characteristic of an IPA is the uh, hops bitterness. Yeah. Um, but I, it's not a bad thing to to play around and try it, see what happens when it ages, because um, that's part of the education process and learning about different beers. Um, I actually had I was telling you about Double Jack earlier. I opened a bottle of Double Jack that was two years old last night oh. uh, with some friends of mine, and um, I had planned to uh, open it up for the Houston Texans game, which mm-hmm. did not go the way we planned. <laughs> and um, you know, two years old, this beer's lost almost all of its bitterness, but now the malt backbone of the beer is really standing out, and you can taste the malt a little bit better and kind of get a feel for what the uh, the backbone of the beer is even with the hops. Hmm. Um, you know, so it's not, it's not what the brewer intended. You know, when Matt Brennelson brewed that beer, he intended for it to be enjoyed fresh with the malt and the hops coming together to create the flavors that it does. But in the course of, you know, learning about um, how beers age and what changes and 
what the overall build of them um, is, you know, that's something you can do. You can have fun and play with it like that. You know what, that, that actually kind of leads into one of the next questions I had. I know that you're a, um, a certified beer server. You passed the tasting portion of the uh, certified Cicerone exam. I have. What kind of preparation goes into that, and how, how detailed does that <laughs> tasting portion get? I, I've always it, been curious about that. It is very detailed. Um, the, uh, the certified Cicerone is, uh, I think it's safe to say, that it is now the uh, standard uh, in terms of what a sommelier is to wine, mm-hmm. uh, beer sommelier. And it is, um, so there's two portions to the certified Cicerone exam. There is a written exam and then there's a tasting exam. The tasting portion of the exam requires you to know uh, base flavors of of traditional styles. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say traditional, I don't mean just European. I mean, you know, a uh, what does a, uh, a Vienna lager taste like? Yeah. What does um, a, uh, a German Pilsner taste like? What is an IPA? Just a simple American IPA, um, uh, an Imperial Stout. Picking out those, if you were, if you had no information other than the beer in front of you, um, color, aroma, flavor, can you tell what style of beer it is? Okay. And then um, you have to know off flavors in beer. And off flavors um, are different flavors. Like I mentioned oxidation earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you have diacetyl, which is a very – it's a buttery uh, off flavor. Um, you have uh, light struck. Um, you've got bacteria. I mean, there's a lot of different off flavors. Um, but there's some, some common ones. And so there's – there's a requirement to know um, what these off flavors taste like. And so you're going to be given uh, some beers that are spiked with this off flavor. Oh. And you need to know, okay, this beer has this defect. Um, and the purpose for that is um, twofold. It, it works both in the on the brewing side, but also on the retail side, uh, where a brewer... Uh, can brew a beer, and some of these off flavors are going to be caused by problems in the mash. Um, some of them are caused by problems in fermentation. And so, as a brewer, you need to be able to know these off flavors so that you can tell if there's something going wrong in your brewing process. Mm-hmm. But there's also off flavors that are caused by dirty lines in a retail establishment. And if you are uh, the sommelier at a, a beer bar, you need to be able to say, if somebody brings a beer back to you and says, this doesn't taste right, you need to be able to say if it is or if it isn't. Uh-huh. Is that what the brewer intended it to taste like, or is there an issue with the keg or in your lines? Mm-hmm. And so it's important to know off flavors from that respect. Huh. Um, and then, you know, just in general, being able to tell a style versus uh, an off flavor. Yeah. Because um, there are some beers where a little bit of diacetyl is allowed. There are some beers where DMS, which is kind of a uh, canned corn type mm-hmm. of aroma, like the yeah. sweet canned corn or vegetable type of aroma, there are uh, German pilsners are actually allowed a little bit of that flavor, hmm. um, off flavor. So, you know, obviously in extreme measures, it's an off flavor in the beer, but um, in a very mild uh, amount, that's an allowable flavor in the beer. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, the tasting portion is very intense. You've got to be able to, to know those things when you're trying the beers. And then, of course, you've got you know, the written portion, which is extremely intense. And it's everything from uh, beer laws, uh, beer styles. And, and when I say beer styles, I mean all of the beer styles um, from you know traditional European to American. I mean, across the board. Just everything that branches out from pretty much, your ale, yeah, lager, everything. Boom, out. <laughs> and then uh, the brewing process, um, understanding how beer is made and um, what goes into it. Um, and then as well as uh, beer and food pairing. Hmm. So it's a pretty intense uh, exam. Um, you know, the beer server is uh, its a great first step for somebody who's interested in learning more about beer. And certainly if they have any interest at all in working in the industry, I think that's a, a very good first step. And um, certainly I would expect it to be a requirement for any bar that considers themselves a craft beer bar. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to want their staff to be at least – to at least have that measure of training. Yeah. Um, the step, the, the next step, the certified Cicerone, that is very intense. And so that's going to be somebody that um, either owns a brewery or really has a desire to be a sommelier or own a beer bar. And, and just, you know, if, if you can bring that credential with you, then, um, you know, it just, it counts for a lot in terms of um, credibility for what you're doing. And it just it opens that many more doors. It it allows you to further your business. And, Absolutely, yeah. Now, it, like a, a problem I've always had, like for, um, in, in terms of tasting. Um, well, okay. Recently, I tried the um, that Sam Adams Latitude Forty Eight IPA deconstructed pack. The, oh, that um, was cool. I like that. I I was I was very impressed with that, it, and I wanted to get it in the hopes that it would help me distinguish between the different hops varieties better because I, I I've been one of those people that you know I'll, I'll drink an IPA I'll be like okay I'm tasting hops obviously but I'm not I'm not really able to distinguish what I'm getting and this sure. this really helped me separate that a bit more um, but I still worry that a lot of the time I'm kind of missing elements that I should be picking up what would be your advice to kind of helping to refine beer tasting like uh provided <laughs> provided one has a decent enough palate to actually do it <laughs> well um you're probably going to find this uh fairly amusing but um drink more beer mm-hmm. works for me <laughs> i mean that's it really is that simple um you know that's how you learn is uh you drink different styles of beer different um be- uh, beers that are made with different ingredients um you know, and, and I like that's one of the things I like about that deconstructed pack. And a few years ago, uh, McKellar did a series of IPAs, and a couple other breweries have done this too. They called them uh, single IPA beers, where they used only one hop uh, variety in the entire beer, both for bittering and for late addition, aroma, and flavor. Mm. And so it gave the uh, the drinker an opportunity to try this beer and say, okay, this is the flavor profile and the aroma profile for this particular hop. Um, and, and that's helpful when you can do that. Um, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you, obviously, I, I think you, I mentioned, you had mentioned uh, that you also brew. Is that correct? Yeah, I haven't in a while, but okay. I, I have, yeah. 
obviously if you're a home brewer, it's helpful because you're going to be using the ingredients to create a beer. And so you have the opportunity to, you know, uh, take a good whiff of the hops when you, you know, open the seal and get that fresh aroma. And of course, when you make the beer, you're going to be able to, to tell, uh, how things went into it and, and what came out of it. But, um, as you are studying, um, and you know, I absolutely recommend that, uh, people buy, uh, the uh, book from the, through the Brewers Association, uh, hops, as well as Mitch Steele's book, IPA. Um, both of those books are great for learning um, the history of hops, the history of the beer style IPA, and understanding the different flavor profiles. Um, but, you know, being able to understand that certain, um, uh, certain hop, uh, certain varieties of hops are going to give you, say, uh, some citrus or some pininess or some tropical fruit. Um, you know, a popular uh, hop that's being used on the market right now um, is Mosaic. Um, you're seeing it just all over the place, and it has a very strong tropical, kind of a passion fruit um, aroma and flavor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's one of those things that, you know, when you, when you know a beer is made with that, you can take a, a really good whiff of that and be like, okay, this is the aroma I'm getting. This is what, you know, that passion fruit um, aroma is going to taste like. But you can also take it to the food side. If you know that this hop tastes like passion fruit, but you've never seen or smelled the passion fruit in your life, go buy a passion fruit. Go to the grocery store, buy a passion fruit, cut it open, taste it, you know, get that aroma and learn it. And then you'll be able to go to back to the beer, back to the various hops that have that aroma or flavor and say, okay, now, now I'm picking it out. And you can really make that connection with exactly. the actual flavor. Yeah. That, that's one thing I need to do more of. I mean, I, I was so surprised with that deconstructed pack, how as I went through each individual beer, you know, first one I, I would, you know, pick up a certain flavor profile. The next one I'd pick up, you know, primarily pineapple and then it would slowly like it would move away from the citrus and get more into like the kind of piney resiny flavors right and once i went back to the latitude 48 itself i was finally able to i i understood all those flavors in there together um and i was able to make those associations and i i can totally see like, you know, the association with the passion fruit, the association with the different, you know, citrus fruits. Right. Um, and that, that's just that's just one of those things that I, I've needed to work on more where I those associations with the taste, because a lot of the time I'll drink a beer. I will I will enjoy the flavor, but sometimes I'm just not quite sure what I'm enjoying. it's the weirdest thing like you know i like the way this tastes but what are the flavor elements sometimes sometimes i just need to go on like beer advocate and rate beer to look and see what other people are saying about it and i'm like oh okay you know i'll taste it again and be like okay you know what i guess that is kind of a toffee note to it oh i guess that is kind of a caramel note to it and that that's how i have formed some associations here and there one of the things that I would recommend, and, and, and those websites are good, especially you know for people who are like yourself trying to understand um, the different flavors uh, that each are perceiving uh, from a beer, I would recommend starting with the actual brewery's website. Mm-hmm. Go to their website. Most breweries have 
um, they'll have their beers listed on there and they'll describe um, the flavors that you're going to get and oftentimes they'll describe uh, what hops and malts they used um, because by going directly to the brewery's website you're going to get um, a direct this is what the brewer intended mm -hmm. yeah whereas when you go to a website where you're now taking uh, somebody's word for what they're getting from the beer their palate may be different than yours mm -hmm. yeah and so um, you know for me I pick up different flavors uh, there are some flavors that are just extremely obvious to me and others that I have to work to pull out of a beer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because my palate's a little different than other people's palate. And so you can use those websites as a guide, and I've often used them, you know, okay? And you take, you know, 10 different reviews and you kind of look for the consistency exactly, between yeah. them and say, okay, this seems to be the general characteristic that each of these people are saying. And so you can say, okay, I, I can I can go with that, but I always recommend that you start with the brewery because at least there you know what they intended to be in the beer. And you're really getting the the, the unfiltered explanation of the beer. No, Absolutely, no bias. It's basically saying this is what we did, this is what we you know intended it to taste like, and you know go for it at that point. Absolutely. Well, I gotta thank you for for uh, calling in today. I mean, I. I love having you on. Um, I'm wishing you the best of luck with the show. Uh, I mean, I, I saw the sizzle reel. I love the sizzle reel so far. I, I can't wait to see all these different breweries. Um, well, I'll, I'll live. I'll live vicariously through them because I got two small kids. I'm not going to be traveling anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, one of the things that um, we definitely need uh, not just your help with, mm -hmm. but uh, all the listeners uh, out there that are. Uh, enjoying your show and are looking forward to a, uh, a beer show like this on TV. We launched a crowdfunding campaign uh, a few days ago to help pay for the first season. And we set our goals pretty high. Uh, we just figured if we're going to do it, let's go for the whole thing. And, and we are setting our goals at $300,000, which would cover an entire season. Mm -hmm. And obviously we'd love to be able to do that. Um, but even if we get half that amount, um, we are going to film some episodes. We're going to put it out there and show people what we are going to make out of this um, and what the show is going to look like. And so um, I definitely would encourage uh, yourself, you know, your, your fans, uh, the listeners on the show, um, please go to our Indiegogo website and um, – you know, support us. Yep, and I you just know, posted uh, the link in our chat room on um, Indiegogo. Look up De uh, Destination Beer TV Show. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Boom, it's right there. Um, so please, you know, put uh, go on there, contribute what you can. Um, tell your friends, tell your family members, people that enjoy um, travel, food, and beer. Doesn't like you said earlier in the show. It doesn't have to be all about the beer. Um, if you enjoy travel and food, boom, we got two out of three here. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously beer is going to be a big you know, part of the show as well. But, um, you know, tell your friends, tell other people, you know, put on your Facebook page, put on your Twitter, um, you know, contribute what you can. Because uh, that's the only way that this is really going to come true is by people catching the vision with us. Mm -hmm. And I've been making sure to promote it on my Twitter. I've been promoting it on my Facebook. So 
everybody spread the word as much as you can. And yeah, I, I know Chris do. will appreciate uh, it. Please do. Please, you know, give what you can. Tell your friends. Um, hopefully, uh, we get a few episodes. Maybe even get a full ep- uh, full season of episodes. We get picked up by a network, and now we've got future seasons, and we're coming to your neighborhood, you know, and featuring your home brewery. Um, you know, that's obviously what we want. And by the way, I just saw uh, Chef Sprocket posted something about cigars. Um, I am a big cigar guy, and I love doing <laughs> cigar and beer pairings. Oh, and it is that is so much fun. That is actually something um, uh, I don't know if people know. Doctor Bill, uh, he is uh, with Stone Brewing Company. The man knows so much about beer and food and cigars. And we've done some things where we've taken cigars and beers and paired them. And uh, we definitely plan to do some segments uh, where. We show people um, enjoying a good cigar and a good beer pairing and, and how to come up with that. That will be fantastic. I would love to see that. It, it's a lot of fun. I tell you what, um, hopefully sooner rather than later we'll have uh, have one of those uh, segments produced. And uh, that will be what we call it's a bonus segment that will be uh, both on Facebook and on the uh, website. Mm-hmm. But, you know, absolutely. We will do things like that and we're going to have fun. Excellent. So everybody, check it out, Indiegogo.com. Look up Destination Beer TV Show. Tell your friends, tell your family. Spread it around everywhere. Let's get some buzz on this. I really yeah. want to see this spread out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I've had a couple of friends of mine that uh, were like, oh, I- I'm going to contribute. You know, I'm like, no, no, don't wait. Do it. Get in there. If you're going to contribute, get in there because that's how crowdfunding works. Exactly. You know, it builds. Uh, the quicker it builds in the front – the faster it builds in the back. Yep. yep. Um, but people like to see that there's something going to happen with this. And so there's way too many people out there that enjoy this idea. We need them to all start, you know, contributing what they can, whether, you know, they're able to give, you know, a large amount or just 20 bucks. Yep. We'll take whatever they can help us with. Yep. I mean, I, I made sure I, I, I did my duty. I threw some money in there. So yes, you did. Yep. And, <laughs> and we're actually going to, I'm going to adjust some of the, uh, uh, some of the perks, um, to make it a little bit more advantageous to people. Um, so be looking for that. We're going to be running some contests for people who share it on Facebook. Um, there's going to be a raffle involved for uh, people who do donate. Uh, we're working on it. We haven't got the details in place yet, but if we are able to uh, get enough donations to justify it, uh, we're going to look at a grand prize raffle, a grand prize of uh, a trip to one of the breweries that we're filming. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's an encouragement to get in there and donate whatever you can because um, if you contribute, then your name gets thrown into the hat uh, for a chance to win that trip. You hear that, people? Donate. Donate. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Oh, so. Well, we are we are at time. So thank, okay. you, thank you for calling in, Chris. I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, everything you're doing for craft beer. Yep. And uh, thank you. I'll, I'll keep tabs on the uh, Indiegogo and uh, best of luck with that, man. All right. Have a great day. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Okay, everybody. Well, that is Alcohol by Volume this week. Thanks to uh, Chris Bradley for calling in. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, he is at BeachbumChris on Twitter. And if you want to look him up on uh, Facebook, um, and I know we're going overtime a little bit here, but is because J5 is unable 
to uh, do a show tonight. So I'm running over his time just a little, little bit. Um, let me make sure I give you the right URL on Facebook for this. Facebook.com slash Destination Beer. So check that out. In the Indiegogo Destination Beer TV show, check that out. Um, and, of course, if there is a uh, local beer you think I should try, you can always drop me an email at uh, mlralcoholbyvolume at gmail.com. See if we can work out some sort of uh, beer-ish trade. The ABV beer tasting list. I know I have not uh, really been adding stuff there. i got to do that more. tinyurl.com slash tasting. Check out the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. The ABV Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Follow me on Twitter <sighs> at MLR underscore alcohol at E-D-I-C-I-U-S. That's Edicius. Look me up on untapped alcohol by volume. All one word coming up. Uh, well, coming up now, basically. My time now with J5. Replay from last week, followed by Dutch and Royce. I will see you guys next week. Thank you again to Chris Bradley. I'll see you guys.